Um, we are sorting out the issues of quorum. We just want to make sure if we correct so that we can start our meeting. We, 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 have since, we have since made aware that the chairperson is not well and is unable to join us today. So we're trying to, to, to double check um, the numbers in the meeting so that we can start our apologies for the delay. Theo, if we are four members, we can uh, proceed with the business of the day. Uh, I don't think, therefore, it's, there's any reason why we should wait any longer. Um, I think you should, you or Vunani should lead a process of then allowing us to, to uh, elect an acting chair if the chair is unable to join. Uh, I don't think it is good form for us while we are privileged enough to have the minister here for two hours to, to delay the meeting any further. Um, I'm totally agreeing with you, Honorable Hon. As I was saying, we just want to make sure we've got um, um, enough members in the meeting because normally our quorum would be six. Yeah, but the rules say mm -hmm. if we are four in attendance, we can proceed with the business of a day. You need a quorum in order to vote. And unfortunately, we can't vote on a motion of no confidence in the minister today. So it's only a briefing. Uh, uh, good morning, Mr. Hon. Yes, it is true that uh, for the purposes of continuing with our business, we need uh, a minimum of four. But where the scene has to be taken, we need a quorum. So, you know, when we are electing a chairperson, chair that is a decision that has to be taken with uh, the requisite quorum. But uh, I've since established that we've got enough members uh, to, you know, constitute a quorum. Uh, in that case, uh, we are going to proceed uh, with the election of an 18 chairperson until such time that the chairperson comes comes back. So we are going to open up uh, the floor for nominations. Can I can I have answer? Yes, Mr. Swart. Uh, Swart. I appreciate the nomination, but I have to. I can't sit in this afternoon, unfortunately. Okay. The, the nomination has been declined. Do we have another nomination? Honorable Nivo Dragon? I nominate Honorable, uh, Honorable Richard Janke um, to be acting chair until the chair comes back. Thank you. Uh, is there a seconder? Yes, sir. It's seconded. Who is seconding? It's Mola. Oh, okay. Uh, Mr. Janji, do you accept the nomination? Nomination accepted. Uh, thank you very much. I see a further hand. There is the, okay. Uh, is there any further nomination? Looks like we only have one nomination. Mr. Janji, can you please uh, you know, proceed and uh, lead the, the meeting? Uh, thank you, Mr. Ramano. Uh, good morning, colleagues. Uh, welcome to the meeting, uh, all of you honorable members. Let me also welcome the minister, the deputy ministers, 
and your entire teams. I also can see that we're also joined by uh, the inspecting judge. Uh, I want to welcome you and everybody else in the meeting. I hope uh, OCJ is already joined. Uh, I've not seen them. We have received the apology of the chair who is not well. Um, and uh, I hope that he has speedy recovery. Apologies for the fact that we're only starting the meeting 10, 12 minutes later. Um, just before I proceed, I see your hand, uh, Honorable Swart. No, thank you, um, Chair, and thank you for acting, being acting Chair. And again, thanks for my nomination to Honorable Breitenbach. But I need to note an apology for this afternoon, as I will be attending the National Assembly sitting, where I have to uh, debate as well. So please note my apology for this afternoon. I will try to rejoin the meeting as well. Thank you so much. No, thank you for that, Honorable Swar. Though the plan is for us to recording finish, in progress. Uh, half past one, if if I follow the the agenda properly, uh, but we note your apology, Honorable Namatemba Maseko Jale. Good morning, Chair and members. Let Chairperson, I would like to tender my apology that maybe uh, I'm still on sick leave, and if anything, I can't take it. Maybe the treasure you'll see me at disappearing. Thank you, Chief. Thank you very much, Honorable Jane. Uh, please get well. Thank you, colleagues. At that point, I would like us to start and proceed with our meeting. We. So excuse me, Chairperson. Yes. Is the ex secretary. Hello. I think that was the secretary. Chairperson? Yes, Chair. Can you hear me, Chairperson? Yes, I can hear you. Good morning, Chairperson and honorable members. Is the Secretary General, Office of the Chief Justice. I was just noting that we are here in the okay. meeting. So you are in as, as Jacobs. Oh, welcome. Welcome. Yes. welcome as, thank you, thank very, you much. very much. Thank you very much, Chairperson and members. Thank you. Sorry, Chair. Yes, yeah. Yes, we um since you are wrapping up the apologies, Chair, wanted to also note um we, we also received an apology from the Honorable Yako. She is um flying to Cape Town. She will be joining after ten, and we also note the uh, apology of Honorable Engelberg. Is also has issues with flights. Won't be able to attend today's meeting. Okay, thank you, thank you for those uh, apologies, uh, Sia. Thank you, team. Um, the minister has been ready 30 minutes before this meeting. Uh, I want to appreciate that, minister, and I don't want us to, to delay you any further. I want to welcome you in this meeting and uh, ask you uh, to take uh, the platform and uh, reflect on your overview as you would be doing a composite uh, uh, overview on 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 all on your department and institutions, Honorable Minister Ronald Lamola, I want to invite you. Uh, thank you very much, um, um, acting uh, chairperson of the of the of the committee, <laughs> uh, and uh, to all the honourable um, 
members of the portfolio committee, the deputy minister of correctional services, Nkosi Patekile-Holomisa, the deputy minister of justice and constitutional development, Mr. John Jeffrey, and um, we want to express our wish for a speedy recovery for for the committee chair, the director general of the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development, the acting national commissioner for correctional services, the national director of public prosecutions, the secretary general of the office of the chief justice, the head of the special investigating unit, the inspecting judge for JICS, the CEO of the Legal Aid South Africa, and to all um, honorable members and uh, the public at large. Honorable Chairperson, we meet at a time where the nation is still reeling from the devastating flood in Guadalupe Natal and some parts of the Eastern Cape. We're also a society still recovering from the global COVID-19 pandemic. Albert with the minor resurgence, we can only hope that we'll still be able to manage the, the virus and the pandemic and be able to respond in regard to the economic challenges that comes with the pandemic. This act of God have had the effect of derailing plans in a way which one could not have anticipated nor imagined. It is clear that we all have to be conscious and concerned about the effects and the imminent threat of climate change to humanity and society at large. We also have to ensure that our department <coughs> and these attended services are deeply embedded in our communities to ensure that services are still accessible in the most severe circumstances. Honorable members, the state continues to function and discharge its services to the nation. One can concede that within the arms of the, state, of the executive, there have been challenges which have been laid bare before the judiciary and at times before institutions like parliament and other watchdog institutions. In a failed state, parliament is a rubber stamp of the executive and the judicial independence is judicially non-existent. This is contrary in our country. And this dispels the narratives that we are failed big. The system of checks and balances still functions well in our country. One cannot also undermine or underestimate the role the fourth estate, the media is playing, which has co also contributed towards upholding the constitution, the principles of accountability and transparency. And even when it was increasingly difficult to do so. The values enshrined in our constitution continues to be a glue that holds us together as a nation. And these values are enshrined in section one of the constitution and they are human dignity, the achievement of equality and advancement of human rights and freedoms, non-racialism and non-sexism, and the supremacy of the constitution and the rule of law. 
During my last political overview, Honorable Acting Chairperson, I informed this August House about the celebration of the 25th of the, of the anniversary of the Constitution. The Department of Justice and Constitutional Development will continue during this year with more events aimed at celebrating this milestone, which will culminate into a symposium on the 25th anniversary of the Constitution to be held during this financial year. As the Zondo Commission draws to a close, I wish to commend the Chief Justice for the stirring job he has done with the Commission. We are in full flight mood in the rebuilding process of the National Prosecuting Authority. We are as much as possible directing critical resources to the NPA to ensure that it has the human resource capital and the financial resources to respond to the many crimes which afflict our communities, despite the challenging fiscal environment we find ourselves in. For instance, it is quite evident that our biggest challenge as a nation at the current moment is the supply of stable and reliable electricity and the provision of reliable passenger rail train. While the challenges at Eskom and Prasa are well documented, one of the most obvious factors is cable theft. One of the indicators we will be monitoring closely in the NPA's performance plan is that of cable theft convictions. This is an act of economic sabotage. Now more than ever, the masterminds of who benefit from plunging communities into darkness and train stoppages must be exposed and the arm of the law must catch up with them. Furthermore, this new injection of resources must enable the NPA to combat organized crime, white collar crime and corruption. We know that it is not enough, but at least it is in the right direction to enable them to rebuild and to plan ahead. In the past year, there have been progress we can mention without any hesitation. The foundation of the investigative directorate was established by a highly skilled black woman and advocate Hamian Kronje, and the transition from her to another highly skilled black woman and advocate Andrea Johnson has been seamless. And we want to thank to use this opportunity in the house to thank Hamion Kronjaya for her service to the nation. And we wish her well in all her endeavors. And we also welcome advocates Andre Johnson in this role, which is difficult and challenging, but we do believe she's equal to the task. The investigative directorate has declared 82 investigations and enrolled 20 cases with 65 accused. It has also prioritized nine corruption matters for enrollment within the next six months. In their own ways, Advocate Shamila Badui and her deputy have said that we are nearing a moment of high-level prosecutions being executed without fear or favor. We should in second guess them. They are better placed than all of us to tell no lies and claim no is the victory. We do believe that they will be able to discharge their responsibilities as enshrined in the NPA Act. The Special Investigating Unit is also provide proving to be significant agent in the fight against corruption and maladministration. As it also prepares to mark 25 years of its existence, there is objective proof that is a vital cog in our accountability and consequence management framework as government. Today, the SIU has enrolled cases worth billions of rand in the special tribunal and the high courts. 
We are now saying it's how we strengthen the cooperation between the SIU and other law enforcement agencies, such as the Directorate for Priority Crimes Investigation and the NPA, having learned lessons from the methodology adopted in the Fusion Center. Honorable members, over and above all this work and these plans, we are also mindful of the imminent and already released Zondo Commission report. The special commercial crimes courts have been established in every province, and the one in Palm, in Palm Ridge and Pretoria have been expanded to be able to cope with some of the matters that may emanate from this report. Consultations are underway with internal stakeholders to ensure that the review of the South African anti-corruption architecture is a collective product. This review envisage an an incremental approach with, with immediate action to short-term proposals, medium-term proposals, and long-term proposals that will enable us to continue to have institutions that will respond to the modern and complex crimes that the country and the entire globe is facing. We also have a team working on the implementation plan of the various findings of the Zondo Commission's recommendations which falls within the scope of their work. This plan will be presented at an appropriate time to enable us to respond appropriately to the corruption challenges and recommendations that Zondo has put, has laid bare to the nation. Responding to the corruption cancer. Former President Mandela warned us about corruption when he delivered his State of the Nation address on the 5th of February 1999 by saying, and I quote, our hope for the future depends also on our resolution as a nation in dealing with the scourge of corruption. Success will require an acceptance that in many respects, we are a sick society. Close quote. Honorable Chairperson, I would like to commend this committee in a manner in which it processed the three gender-based violence bills which have, been, have since been assented to by the President of the Republic, President Cyril Ramaphosa. Once again, with your assistance, we're building the machinery to combat and address yet another pervasive and almost invisible pandemic in the form of gender-based violence. The three acts, namely the Criminal Matters Amendment Act of 2021, the Domestic Violence Amendment Act of 2021, the Criminal Law, Sexual Offenses and Related Matters Amendment Act 2021, cannot be elements which have no impact in our community. In this financial year, we will be implementing this act across the board. And we will need the support of our communities to ensure that the implementations of this act becomes a success in responding to the scourge of gender-based violence. We will be unveiling a program of action which is aimed to, on the various justice needs of communities across the country. And this month, we will launch our program of action as minister, which will ensure that justice services are at the heart of our communities. Our program of action is called the Year of the Community, as we respond and implement President Ramaphosa's running call of no one must be left behind. Carolina and Pumalanga and Delta in the Western Cape have been identified as communities which will start with this program during the month of May to assess the state of our justice services, improve the level of integration in the justice system, and assess the gender-based violence infrastructure 
with a specific focus on the new act and the national strategic plan on gender-based violence and femicide. Three bills will be introduced in this financial year, the lower court bill and the magistrate court bill, which will replace the current magistrate court act, 1944, and the magistrate act of 1993. The regulations of the trust bill will be introduced to replace the current trust property controls act of 1957. The trust control bill is the latest action to ensure that we improve our anti-money laundering regime. Under the current regime, trusts are used or sometimes used to hide assets. As a result, law enforcement agencies struggle to obtain accurate information on who are the real beneficiaries of assets in trusts. The Trust Property Control Bill will address this issue to ensure that our anti-money laundering legal dispensation is in line with the recommendations of the Financial Action Task Force and International Best Practice. The Transgay Penal Code and the Righteous Assemblies Act will also be repealed. The later act will be replaced with the proposed Criminal Matters Amendment Bill. These wide-ranging amendments will seek to update legislation with the new constitutional order. The COVID-19 pandemic and the ransomware attack on the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development IT system although with devastating consequences, presented the department with an opportunity to fast track the modernization of the justice services, as well as the overhaul of its IT infrastructure to make it fit for purpose. During this financial year, the department intends to implement phase two of the online services and maintenance protection orders, deceased state and the national register on the sexual offenses and commence, and commence with phase one of the state attorney's online services. We're also in engagement with the Department of Public Works to deal with the current infrastructure challenges and also to look into the future in relation to delegating or devolving some of the powers that are with Public Works with regards to our infrastructure. This will enable us to deal with some of the minor challenges our courts and infrastructure face on a day-to-day -day basis. Honorable members, as you are aware, the judiciary has proposed a particular system of court administration informed by their own research. The executive has conducted its own research and I intend during this financial year to approach cabinet on the executive's response to the judicial institutional model. The executive's response will also be part of the measures we intend to take towards implementing the recommendations of the National Planning Commission to accelerate reforms to implement a judicial-led independent court administration. In this financial year, the Office of the Chief Justice as a national department will be evaluated in the main on three strategic outcomes as set out in the department's 2022-2023 annual performance plan. And these are effective and efficient administrative support, improved court efficiency, and enhance judicial performance. To achieve the above outcomes, the Office of the Chief Justice will expand and evaluate initiatives such as rolling out the court online solution to five superior courts. I am delighted to report that the development of the court online case management solution is complete. The final solution has been piloted in the Houghton Division of the High Court 
and the systematic rollout to all other superior courts will commence this financial year. The project has also been established as a centralized court online help desk to, to provide support to both internal stakeholders, judges and court officials, and external stakeholders, the legal practitioners. I'm informed that the leadership of the magistrates has expressed their intention to request the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development to pursue a limited implementation of this solution in selected magistrates' courts. Eventual implementation of this solution in the superior courts and magistrates' courts will ensure true integration of our electronic paperless court processes. The OCJ remains committed to its constitutional mandate of supporting the judicial and government mandate as outlined in the National Development Plan and the revised medium-term strategic framework. In supporting the judicial, the Office of the Chief Justice will continue to prioritize the capacitation of the South African Judicial Education Institute, SANJI. The department will continue implementing new ways to deliver training services to serving and aspirant judicial officers. Part of this will involve ensuring that the operational model of Sanjay is adjusted to take advantage of available online platforms, and that Sanjay's judicial educators and capacitated is capacitated to operate under the new operational model. The impact of the budget cuts resulting from the prioritization of the national response to COVID-19 pandemic over the past two years continue to be felt to this day. As such, the Office of the Chief Justice has to be innovative and develop new ways to operate under these constraints, conditions, in order for us to keep the courts operational. To this end, the Office of the Chief Justice will continue to prioritize its budget and operations to ensure that the delivery of court services, namely support to courts, is not adversely affected. The Department of Correctional Services. When the devastating floods in Wazul Natal wreaked havoc in communities, inmates through the Department of Correctional Services Self-Sufficiency and Sustainable Model contributed to our social relief efforts. Vegetables, eggs, meat, milk, bread, which were produced by inmates, were donated to the needy families, and this brought much-needed relief to the communities. The donation demonstrates that inmates can contribute positively towards society when given an opportunity. While inmates are incarcerated, the department encourages them to adopt a positive outlook towards their life and to acquire skills. This enables them to contribute positively to social and economic lives of society upon their release. We are also pleased that the correctional services will implement a new program that will extend correctional and rehabilitation programs to remind detainees who spend more than two months in our care. Honorable Chairperson, though self-sufficiency, through self-sufficiency, we have been able to take off items such as eggs and pox on our procurement list in the past financial year. And we will add more items in the list as we move forward. Most of our management areas produce enough vegetables and bread for inmate rations. We will vigorously implement this program so that we can continue saving millions for the fiscal, like we did in the last financial year. We are also encouraged that the National Treasury has approved 100% retention of revenue, which will generate through self-sufficiency. This is a major boost to the program, as we will reinvest resources towards its growth. 
Our workshops have also been capacitated with the latest technology to enable them to produce inmate uniforms, staff uniforms, and shoes in large quantities. Honorable members, we are happy that you recently conducted an oversight visit to the courts and to the correctional centers. In your visit, you also went to Mangaung and Kutamas and Tumule private correctional facilities. We manage contracts of public-private partnerships correctional facilities in line with the Correctional Services Act. These private facilities are contractually obliged to contribute towards the purpose of the correctional services system by maintaining and protecting just and peaceful society. The Department of Correctional Services has indicated that when these contracts lapses, they will not be renewed. The department will take over the running of the facilities. There are already regulatory meetings to fulfill these objectives. We have also started with the inspection of facilities to ensure that they remain in good conditions. We have met with the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure to look at how we can, through offender labor, respond to minor maintenance and costs and some of our facilities, like installation of ramps for people living with disabilities cleaning and minor renovations. We will continue engaging our counterparts and pilot several projects to find innovative ways to deliver infrastructure, as this is our biggest challenge as this department. We are fully aware that our work in correctional services will ring hollow if we do not instill a culture of consequence management amongst correctional officials. On 12 April 2012, Mr. Stephen Marikuli Somo who was stationed at the Johannesburg Correctional Facility, was sentenced to five years imprisonment by the Johannesburg Regional Court for aiding and escape. In the 2020-21 financial year, 94 correctional services officials were dismissed among those who were subjected to disciplinary action. DCS is intensifying its campaign and processes to systematically and comprehensively prevent corruption and mismanagement as well as ensure consequence management. We hope to achieve this through tightening of management systems, increasing compliance with policies and controls, internal investigations and sanction, as well as referral to external law enforcement agencies where appropriate. Honorable members, as we conclude, we want to commit ourselves to work towards ensuring that all departments and entities under our ministry meet their objectives. We are continuing to engage with the National Treasure to achieve the JIC's autonomy and its independence as we engage with the other departments like the Department of Public Services. The National Treasury have a clear stand on this matter that um, they are of the view that we should not proceed with this engagement and uh, with this process. But um, they remain open to persuasion and that is what we are currently involved in to persuade them in their view that um, we should um, comply with the constitutional court order on this matter. We will be focusing more on the Department of Justice and constitutional development to ensure that we turn around this department and resolve its challenges, some of which we have inherited and are well known to this committee. No efforts will be spared effective consequence management will be implemented, and those who fail to do what they get paid for will face the consequences of their actions. Thank you very much, um, Honorable uh, Acting Chairperson.
Thank you, uh, Honorable Ronald Ozilamula, for that uh, comprehensive overview you have shared with uh, the meeting. Uh, it's really appreciated. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, honorable members, you have uh, heard, listened to the minister delivering uh, his overview. And perhaps at this point, I will invite all of you, those who would want to reflect on this in the form of questions, comments, or any contributions. Uh, you're also free to indicate that you're happy with everything so that we proceed. Um, I recognize Honorable Horn, followed by Honorable Swart. Um, followed by Honorable Velma Nivo Drachen, Honorable Glenis Breitenbach, uh, in that order. Honorable uh, Werner Horn. Yeah, thank you, Acting Chair, and uh, good morning from, from my side to colleagues and, and uh, yeah, I, let me appreciate the, the presentation by the Minister um, Acting Chair um, and some, uh, as, as this government uh, is now calling it, green shoots obviously uh, to be seen from the presentation. So let me at the outset welcome the undertaking by the Minister to, to finally make work of the court administration model. Uh, something that that unfortunately has been on 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 ice for 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 uh, quite some time, um, and and but but let me nonetheless therefore appreciate the undertaking of the minister that cabinet will this year finally uh, make work of of establishing a judicially led court administration model. Um, similarly, um, acting chair. Um, the sentiments around public works uh, is to be welcomed to an extent um, in that it was quite clear, I believe, through our oversight visits that the current relationship with, with public works, specifically in respect of smaller maintenance matters, is, is not ideal. Uh, having said that, however, uh, Acting Chair, I do believe it's incumbent upon us to say to the Minister that it is quite clear that the underperformance of public works, which is an historical underperformance, but which, which uh, in, in, in our view has, has accelerated over the last two to three years, is a, a, a looming danger for, for all of the departments, but specifically the department of justice um, in respect of court uh, infrastructure, uh, a looming danger of, 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 uh, of a magnitude that we cannot overstress. And in that sense, uh, the, the, the mere fact that the minister is engaging with public works ar around minor um, maintenance and the, the increase of that delegation and the possible use of of, of sentenced inmates is, is quite simply not good enough. And 
And I would want to hear from the minister whether he has any plans to, to engage public works on a more formal level around the absolute failure of public works over the last two to three years to embark on any meaningful uh, and dire urgent, a dire need for, for, for wholesale uh, infrastructure maintenance at our court buildings. And, and secondly, what, what is his current understanding of the challenges faced by court buildings throughout the country, whether there is any process in place for the minister um, and his department to be aware of, 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 the, of all of the challenges around uh, court buildings. Acting Chair, uh, then just a few other things. Um, I looked back early morning at the Minister's presentation at this point in our um, annual calendar last year. Um, and unfortunately, I, I think on about six of the ten criteria he last year identified uh, in respect of which the Department of Justice would ultimately have to prove significant uh, in, uh, improvement in, in, in performance, I do believe it ultimately is incumbent upon us to say to the minister that it's quite clear that of, on six of those 10, uh, unfortunately, the, the targets have not been reached. The other four, I must immediately add, is, is more of an aspirational targets around constitutionalism and an understanding of South Africans about the rule of law and constitutionalism, which is, of course, difficult to, to ultimately measure. But the, the difficulty from our side is that if one looks towards the modernized and digitized justice service platforms, it's interesting to note that this year the minister is, is silent about the integrated justice system because we all know the hack has sort of depleted wiped out all all uh, all um, gains in the in that regard um and and we must therefore ask what what is the plans to ultimately what is the status of this what the plans to ultimately revive this project if at all um around the uh, master services which was last year identified as a key component on which the 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 uh, department of justice would be measured we unfortunately must say that it's quite clear that nothing much has happened over the last 12 months to improve the accessibility, the, the accountability, and the performance of our master's officers. And it is, it, it is a worry that the minister did not feel it important to address that in his, in his, in his presentation to us. Um, Regarding the reduction of crime and corruption through effective prosecution, we hear what the minister says, and it's if one if one has to say that words is, have meaning, then we must say it, it is very worrying that the minister today say um, this past year and the past years have been used to, to establish a firm foundation for the investigative director, and that we once again must now look towards the next six months. For, for, for a moment of high-level prosecution. And, and from our side, we must say that that simply is not good enough, but I'm sure my colleague, uh, Glennis Breitenbach, will have much more to say on that score. 
Then acting chair, and, and I'm, I'm mindful of time, I'm, I'm wrapping up. Um, I wouldn't, would want to ask the minister in the spirit of, of cooperation uh, to unpack his statement that, that some lessons have been learned from the Fusion Center about possible better cooperation between the SIU, the AFU, and the NPA specifically. It is a, a very worrying thing listening to presentations from specifically the NPA. Um, and, and one would want to hear whether more tangible uh, proposals is, is on its way to, to Parliament in order to, to address that whole issue. Um, and then finally, uh, Chair, in terms of correctional services, mindful that our colleague regard of, uh, in, in respect of correctional services is not here, I would want to ask the Minister what the status now is of the integrated inmate, ma inmate management system, which he has not addressed in his presentation. Uh, uh, if the IJS um, has been a money guzzler without any real uh, fruits to show at the Department of Justice, then we all know the integrated inmate management system and the development thereof at the Department of Correctional Services is the is the, is the same monster at correctional services. So I would want to hear from the minister what the current status is and, and what the plans going forward um, is in respect of HIMSS. Thank you, Acting Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable Lawn. Honorable Steve Swart. It's uh, you. Thank you, Acting Chair. Just let me know if you can't hear me clearly, then I'll turn off the camera. Thank you so much. But may I also firstly thank the minister for his political overview, dealing with a lot of issues and, of course, admitting the financial constraints, admitting the constraints that his um, department has operated under both uh, justice and correctional services, particularly in view of the COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, the flooding. Can I just start then on dealing with the issue relating to the flooding and President Ramaphosa's statement there will be no room for corruption in spending to repair flood damage. Now, we appreciate the steps that are being taken, but there is a lot of skepticism amongst the members of the public. I think President Ramaphosa referred to that as well. Um, I would like the minister to highlight further issues. Yes, we, I particularly welcome what the president said about real-time audits, about um, other issues um, strengthening financial controls, but I'd like the Minister to um, advise us relating to improvements with the Fusion Centre, uh, referred to by my colleague Mr Horn as well. The Fusion Centre was very efficient in detecting and speedily prosecuting and recovering funds that were misappropriated, um, and, and so the, the attention that will be given to be monitoring, working together, with the billions of rands that will be required uh, both in the short term and the long term for the rebuilding following the devastating floods in KZN and parts of the Eastern Cape. Then linked to that, does the minister, and, and some of these issues we might raise later with the department as well, where he might feel uh, necessary, but an important issue that is raised is the, is the protection for whistleblowers. And is that envisaged? 
legislation when the minister correctly referred to reviewing the whole issues relating to anti-corruption. There are two aspects there that, that are striking, and that is improved protection for whistleblowers, and I think that is referred to in the Lizondo Commission report as well, and then also highlighting the legal obligation, I think it's in terms of Section 34 of the Prevention of Corrupt Activities Act, which places an obligation upon officials and uh, any office bearer in the private sector any, to report any suspicious transactions over 100,000. I don't think there have been any prosecutions in that regard, but to highlight that aspect. Chairperson, thank you then. Moving across as well to what I welcome from the Minister's perspective, and that is the uh, reference to infrastructure theft, cable theft, ESCOM and PRASA, and the attentions in that regard. And I would like to hear whether there is any proposed legislative amendments. Yes, we've got the, the legislation that we, we brought uh, about in this sphere, but when it comes to, there has been speculation about scrap dealerships um, that seem to be the main recipient of a lot of the stolen infrastructure. Is there any anticipated legislative amendments that are going to be brought to amend these issues? Um, I would like to also, Acting Chair, welcome the reference to the correctional services and the fact that inmates were contributed to social relief. That is very encouraging, and I think that message needs to be promoted more widely as well, the role that correctional services played in this regard, and they are to be commended that inmates also, um, from a humanitarian aspect, were able to contribute vegetables, milk, meat, etc. Um, the focus on rehabilitation as well on remand detainees is an issue that is supported, and I would like to hear from the minister in this regard to what degree, uh, again, if we don't cover all these issues, we will raise it later as well. I will raise it later. The issue relating to restorative justice programs that I've always supported and many in the department have also supported in that regard. Then, Chairperson, I would lastly like to ask the Minister, and it could be that this could be addressed also at a later stage. I know the Deputy Minister also addressed this at a later stage, and that is we as a committee were unanimous when we accepted the, the issues relating to a proposed amendments to legislation dealing with persons that paid admission of guilt fines for trivial offences, mainly relating from the disaster management regulations and now sit with criminal records, whether there is any progress in re-looking at that consideration, uh, those criminal records, given the fact that it has a very negative impact on those persons um, seeking employment. And many of those people would not realize that in paying admission of guilt fines for very trivial offenses, they now incur criminal records. Thank you for that, uh, Acting Chair. Thank you, Honorable Swart. Honorable Velma Nivo Driffen. It is your turn. Thank you, Acting Chairperson. Thank you, um, and good day to everyone on the platform. Uh, thank you, Minister, and thank you for your overview. I just wanted to bring up a few concerns. 
uh, few concerns that I have. Um, in your, um, I will also ask the same questions to the various entities that will be coming before the, the committee when we discuss the APPs, but I would like, it to, like to bring it to the attention of the minister as well. Um, Gender-based violence and femicide. Um, I read with concern that there was a person who was uh, accused of violence against the child as well as murdering that child. And this person is now in a correctional facility, the accused. But at the same time, the accused made a case against the victim's mother. Um, this was here in the Western Cape. And I am just concerned that the, the victims and the families of the victims um, are, are really from the vulnerable sector. You know, maybe they don't have a better understanding of the justice system. But those who do or perpetrate um, gender-based violence and femicide are, you know, do sometimes have a better understanding of using the system against the victim and the victim's family. Now, I want to know from the sector, from the justice sector and from the minister, what assistance is especially given to victims who, you know, maybe, um, you know, they they attacked the perpetrator or uh, but then they get charged for that how can an inmate who is already charged um, also bring a charge against the victims or the victim's family because we see an increase of those kind of issues against vulnerable groups and especially the victims of gender-based violence and femicide that's the one thing secondly um we are now preparing you know evaluating the, the annual performance plan and Legal Aid South Africa will come before us once again. And Legal Aid South Africa has, a, has had a lot of budget cuts. Yes, um, you know, but the, they, they will also be given an additional responsibility to look at the land issues. But with the budget cuts and all of that, I want to know from the minister, um, what... Um, assistance will the ministry be able to give Legal Aid South Africa to also be able to run with the, the land, land issues. Then um, the SIU, um, they fall under the ministry, under the minister's portfolio. But I'm very concerned to read that the SIU head in the Western Cape is paid by the Western Cape government for his legal um, charges um, th that gets paid. And the head of the SIU um, has forced fraud charges against him. Um, I mean, it's the SIU, but the provincial government is paying for his legal costs. So now what, you know, what is the ministry and the SIU doing about that when it's a staff member of the SIU, it's his fraudulent case, you know, it's fraudulent charges against him, and this gets paid um, by the, the Western Cape government. Just hold, Honorable Velma. Can, can the, these people be muted, please? They are disturbing the member who's on the platform. Uh, thank you. Proceed, Honorable Velmas. So my apologies for that. 
Chair, I'm really finished. Um, so th those were just the three things just with regard to, to the concerns I had. Um, thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Mani Badrachan. And I invite uh, Honorable Glennis Breitenbach and the last speaker will be Honorable Kala Nola. Honorable Breitenbach. Uh, thank you, uh, Honorable Acting Chair, and good morning to everybody. <clears throat> uh, I'd like to, uh, I was partially covered by Honorable Horn. Um, I would certainly like a, a detailed explanation from, from the Minister about what it is the Department plans to do with regards to the complete and utter failure of public works to perform at all. Uh, with regards to any of the uh, of the buildings that um, that they're responsible for, uh, any of the matters that they fall within the areas of jurisdiction, uh, what what is the department going to do about this total total? I struggle to find polite words, so I'll just call it a mess. Uh, we've got brand new courts erected in Limpopo and Pumalanga that that are about to be condemned as unfit for human habitation. Uh, who paid for those courts? How were they signed off? Why are we sitting with such an enormous waste of money? Uh, who is responsible for that? And what is this department going to do to ensure that those people are held accountable? Uh, it's completely untenable. Uh, having just come back from some some oversight visits, uh, I think all the members of the committee are aware that the prisons are in a terrible, terrible, terrible state. And the prisons are now funding initiatives with their own money, out of their own budget, very laudable initiatives, because public works just doesn't come to the party. And when we ask them about it, they wring their hands and uh, look skywards and, and say, no money, no budget, no, no nothing, no never. Uh, it, it is a totally, totally dysfunctional relationship and it cannot be allowed to continue. It is no good that we, year after year, have to see this destruction of... Joined it was Steve Swart. Okay. First hold Honorable Breitenbach. Marlene Lombard. Marlene Lombard was stabbing the member on the platform. Please Thank, you. Thank you, Honorable so, so really, I think the Minister needs to spend much more time telling us what it is the Department is going to do to, to rectify this completely dysfunctional relationship that, that they have with, with public works. Public works must be held accountable, and, and I need to know how they're going to be doing that. Uh, complete mess, totally useless, does not begin to cover uh, what it is that we saw. Um, the court recording equipment uh, contract, again, uh, and that refers also to the, to the ISM issue. Uh, how does this happen? How do you know that you have a contract for a fixed period of time? And then, to, no surprise to anybody, at the end of the fixed period of time, the contract expires, and nothing is done to put something in place to deal with it. Nothing. What kind of a system does the Director General have where, where you start negotiating a new contract months, years 
after a contract has expired for something, well, for any contract, but for something as vital as court recording equipment. If the court recording equipment doesn't work, the courts come to a standstill. South African courts, as the minister says, are courts of record. It's no surprise, we all know that, no news. So we need the recording equipment. How is it possible that an, a contract of that magnitude, of that importance was allowed to expire with nothing in its place? And it's no good saying COVID and adjudication committees and came as no surprise that the contract expired. It was due to expire. A year before the time, this measure should have been taken. A year before, so long before COVID, measure should have been taken to do something to ensure that there would be either something in its place or, or the contract would continue. This ex post facto negotiating of contracts is unbelievably poor management. And I, I, I cannot imagine how a department the size of the Department of Justice doesn't have something in place that warns them about contracts that are about to expire, especially contracts of this magnitude. It's unacceptable. And I really do need a proper explanation for that. The IT systems of the department are in a sorry, sorry, shoddy state. It's really just, I'm at a loss for words. We're at the Supreme Court of Appeal and we told that the justices of the Supreme Court of Appeal and their staff are required to use their own private data to get their jobs done because there's no connectivity in that court. Why is that? How are they supposed to function? How do we expect the justice system to keep working, to keep grinding out cases to keep a quality system on the go. And they have no connectivity. It's 2022. Everything depends on connectivity. Now we have justices and staff members using their own private cell phones to get their job done because they have no other connectivity, let alone access to telephones. They don't even have telephones. So no landlines, they, they don't even have that. I mean, it is, it is an unbelievably depressing mess and it needs to be attended to and I want the minister to please unpack how he's going to do all of these things. Uh, none of this can come as a surprise to him. And it's no good every year giving a, a general overview that does not dig deep into these issues. And we, we get this glossing over every year of, of tiny little gains made and the, the big issues are just swept under the carpet. It, it cannot continue. It's not acceptable. For the minister, honestly, to come today and, and unfortunately, the buck stops with him, so he has to take this beating, whether it's his doing or not, comes today and tells us uh, that they've spent the last few years laying the foundation for the investigating director as well. <sighs> to say that that is gobsmackingly depressing, uh, it doesn't begin to cover it. The investigative director should have hit the ground running. They should have had a, a building. They should have been staffed and up and running within months. It isn't a project that was going to last forever. It had a five-year lifespan. Three years to lay the groundwork. Well, I just, I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm not often at a loss for words, but I don't know what to say. We've been looking forward to, what, what on earth have they been doing if they've only been laying the groundwork? 
They, they were erected. They were brought into being to deal with high-profile prosecutions, mostly emanating from state capture. Those cases are not new. Those cases are not new. We've known about them for years. The information about them has been available for years. Cases were laid. And I know that cases were laid because I laid some of them. Years ago. Am I being told now that there's any groundwork being laid? The, the groundwork should have been laid long ago. The investigative director should have collected all of those cases and got them court ready within not more than a year. And, and they should have been in court and being tried. And we should have already seen high-profile convictions. And to say now we can look forward in the next six months to high-profile prosecutions, well, really, we've been looking forward to high-profile prosecutions in the next six months for the last three years. And frankly, it's, it's difficult to gather any enthusiasm in order to look forward to anything right now. Uh, the tenure of that investigative director is almost over. And we've seen absolutely nothing, nothing. We've heard a lot, but we've seen nothing. And, and frankly, uh, South Africans and myself included are, are just a little tired of waiting. The integrated justice system, 20 years down the line, well, even more than 20 years now, uh, nothing to show for it. Just excuses, continuous excuses. Every year there are more excuses. Uh, we see no progress. It, for all intents and purposes, doesn't exist. Um, I'd like the minister to tell us today how many billions have been spent on this integrated justice system uh, with... Uh, what we can show for it would not would struggle to fill the bottom of a thimble. Laying the ground for Zonda, well now, really, again, gobsmackingly depressing. Zonda has been on the go for five years. The information about what is presented to Zonda was available five years before that, thanks to the investigative press. So 10 years down the line, we're now laying the groundwork for prosecutions about Zonda, honestly, doesn't cut it. It just does not cut it. None of this is new. It wasn't discovered uh, in the last three or four years. We've known about it for years. It should have been investigated for years. The investigation should have been finalized years ago. And the prosecution should have been in court or ready for prosecution years ago. So to tell us we've got six, in the next six months, we can look forward. Forgive me if I don't hold my breath. It's not the time for laying groundwork. It's just too little and too late. This should have been done years ago. I want the minister to tell us why it is that we should listen to, look forward to the next six months, listen to laying the groundwork, listen to next year, things will be better. That has been the story now for a very long time. Things are not better. The groundwork has not been laid. I don't for one moment think that anybody on this meeting should hold their breath, waiting for high-profile prosecutions in the next six months. And I'm very happy to eat my words publicly if they happen. No one will be happier than myself if they do. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable uh, Gladys Breitenbach. Uh, that very colorful uh, language. I, I will watch the space uh, and remind you if there's any 
high profile. So let's just uh, uh, agree on that. I'll be watching the space very carefully. You won't need to remind me. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Breitenbach. Uh, it will be an exciting moment. Uh, Honorable Minister. Um, okay, Honorable Kolangola has wavered his uh, time. I'm just going to check if you want me to ask your two deputies to come in or should I just immediately hand over to you for your own uh, reflections and feedback, uh, having listened to the contributions? Uh, everything, Chairperson, I think they can. Okay. And, Let me start. And then I'll come to you. And also, with your indulgence, Chair, I think the, the two acting DG, the, the DG of Justice and the acting National Commissioner could help on the, on the question of infrastructure because there are lots of engagement with public works, which I think they can share with the committee on this particular question in particular. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Uh, DG Justice, can you come in? Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair, and, and, and thanks to the Honorable Members. Uh, the, the issue of uh, DPW, you'll recall, we raised it uh, last time we appeared uh, last year when we presented the APP and the general challenges that we, we are facing. We, we are making some progress, uh, maybe one to start with the general maintenance which in terms of the financial, financial delegations we had from uh, DPW, we only had 100,000. We could only fix maintenance incidents to, to the amount of uh, 100,000. We have now made progress, and uh, in principle, it has been agreed that amount has to be reduced, I mean, has to be increased to about 1 million per incident. Uh, there's just some requirements that we need to finalize together with the DPW, and we think that uh, once that is done, we'll be able to deal with a lot of the major challenges that we have across our infrastructure across the country. So we, we are finalizing those, including us having some you know, technical uh, capacity and skills in order to take care of some of those challenges. But in, in broad terms, uh, you will have seen the past three years, we have not been doing well in terms of uh, expenditure on the capital budget in relation to infrastructure due to um, uh, public works uh, challenges and internal constraints. And the last time that uh, we have been advised through reports, progress was made with the building of infrastructure, new infrastructure and renovations was when there was a, you know, um, entities that were involved like uh, IDT, albeit with all the challenges that were there. So we're having a discussion to look into that possibility as well of getting an entities with capacity that can assist and deal with this and address the infrastructure backlog that we have, both in terms of renovation, but also even in terms of um, you know, general repairs. And we hope that uh, once we, we can move, and that's what we are fighting hard to make sure that the next six months and in this year as well, we, we have an arrangement to allow us at least to through that facility of um, a, a third party entity to take care of the infrastructure because otherwise the way it is, even if we come back next year without that, we'll be having that problem. But also I think also honorable members as well, maybe at some points, 
it will help, I don't know whether through a joint committee with the public works committee as well, so that they can also express, you know, the challenges that they have and how they seek to assist us. Because currently in terms of the Guillermo Act, they have all this responsibility, unless if they finally agree, which I think they will not necessarily be, you know, they, they, they appear to be reluctant that generally they can give us the responsibility to, to manage the, the infrastructure. But with the, those proposals that we have made, we think we can make some progress in addressing those challenges. And, and, and thirdly as well, the, the appointment of uh, facilities management for the new courts, including uh, Bladenberg Bay, Mbombela, and Bulukwane. That's the proposal that we have made, and they are open to it. So we hope to finalize that very soon, and next time we'll come back for quarterly updates. I think we should be able to update the committee and the honorable members. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, DG Justice. Do, do I have the Acting Commissioner Correctional Services in the meeting? Or uh, anybody on his behalf? Yeah. Good morning, Honorable um, Acting Chairperson and Honorable Members and uh, Minister and Deputy Minister. Um, I just wanted to provide a response on the issue of IMS in terms of where are we with its um, development. We have uh, developed and tested uh, the module for remand detainees, and we are continuing to roll it out to for the two correctional centers. On the contract itself, we are reviewing the work that has been done. We are also uh, claiming penalties with regards to the work that uh, has not been done so far. We are activating the system so that it can actually work in an integrated fashion with the legacy systems that have been there in correctional services. But apart from that, we are also addressing the issues that were raised by the Auditor General. Um, we are looking closely into the contract itself. We are assessing it with a view to ensure that uh, we continue to get value for money. That is the issue that I wanted to respond to, Honorable Chairperson. The DG for Justice and Constitutional Development has also touched on the issue of uh, public works and infrastructure. As correctional services, we are working together also acting DG for the Department of Public Works and uh, Infrastructure to integrate the work that is done by the IT and the Development Bank of South Africa to ensure that the skills that we have in DCS, in DPWI, and the two agents are integrated so that we can unblock the project pipeline and also ensure that uh, we approach uh, maintenance of correctional facilities dramatic manner instead of looking at each and every correctional facility as a standalone. With that approach, we hope that at least we will be able to address the 
deficiencies that are there in the project implementation processes that uh, are involved on infrastructure matters. Those are the two that uh, I wanted to deal with, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, uh, Mr. Tomahale. Honorable John Jeffrey. Uh, thanks. Um, thanks, Acting Chair, and good morning to, to everybody. Um, I'll just deal with some of the points, I mean, particularly legislation. Uh, the issue of whistleblower protection, I mean, there was a amendment um, to the Protected Disclosures Act um, in the last term, um, uh, which was put out for public comment, was processed uh, by this, this committee. Um, that's obviously the Whistleblowers Protection Act is, is basically about uh, was protection for uh, people at the workplace. And I think the main issue for whistleblowers is their physical protection. Uh, so those are issues that are being looked at. I, I mean, obviously, the final recommendations from the Zondo Commission are, are awaited before that can be, can be finalized. Um, similarly, with the scrap metal issue, um, there was also an amendment in the last administration on tightening up the legislation and the penalties uh, for theft of, of metal, uh, which also included uh, the issue of dealing with with uh, scrap metal dealers and, and even the export of illegal scrap metal. So uh, again, one can relook really at whether there are any further legislative amendments needed, but how much of it is, uh, and it's maybe something that the committee may want to work with the SAPs on, how much of this is, is a problem of things not being implemented to the extent uh, that they, they should be. Um, then the, the issue from Mr. Swat on the criminal records for admission of guilt fines, uh, that will be in the Judicial Matters Amendment Bill. Uh, it's only one more Judicial Matters Amendment Bill that is coming, so I think it gets delayed with new things being added into it. But that is still very much on the table, and that bill should be tabled by um, the middle of this year. On um, Ms. Honorable Nevo Drushin's uh, point of this, this inmate, who's, I think it's awaiting trial and he's laid a charge against the, the victim's mother. Uh, look, one would need to get more information. Um, anyone can make a complaint, can lay a charge. It's whether that person on, on the evaluation of that charge, whether anything is, is done about it. That's the key issue. So a person, is entitled, um, uh, maybe nine times out of 10, they've got no basis, they're just making it up, but maybe there will be the odd chance, the one time out of 10 where they have got um, a basis to, to lay a complaint. Um, on the issue of the SIU, uh, which was I think also Honorable Nivo Drishan's issue, I, I think, and I think Advocate Motibe is, is on the platform, but I think that, um, the, the government of the Western Cape has its own body, which they call the SIU, which is not in terms of the SIU Act. Uh, maybe the problem was that the SIU name was not copyrighted, but I think it's an entirely different uh, thing that, that um, you're speaking about. And then lastly, 
On the uh, CRT machines contract, um, Honorable Breitenbach's point, uh, look, the person that need, that should respond, and, and maybe it would be better to do it on, on Friday, is the DG, is the accounting officer. But my understanding is, just as a preliminary response, is that it was advertised uh, timeously uh, before the contract uh, expired. The problem was then uh, the processes or the, the, that uh, that process got got overturned. Uh, and then I think it was re-advertised again and, and, and similar problems. But uh, so it's not as if it was a sort of left uh, sitting, uh, waiting for, for the period to expire. However, I would agree with her that what has happened is really not, well, not, not really not, is not acceptable at all. And there needs to be proper contract management uh, and um, there needs to be also consequence management uh, for the people responsible. It's not something we can let stand. I think those were the main points that I thought I could respond to. Thanks, Acting Chair. Thanks, Minister. Thank you, Honorable John Jeffrey. Honorable Patrick Ilolomisa, Dilizindaba. Uh, good morning, Chairperson. Good morning to the meeting. Well, uh, uh, the Minister and the Acting National Commissioner, I think, have uh, stated what needs to be stated, unless there's something specific that Honourable Members would like me to address in, the, in, in respect to the Minister's uh, overview thus far. Thank you. Okay, no, thank, thank you, Deputy Minister. Uh, Minister, before I come to you, I think Honorable Swart uh, made an important point uh, that uh, uh, there is going to be more in-depth uh, introspection and uh, uh, ventilating of the issues when we meet with the departments and institutions and he was already holding back on some of those kind of details so that today uh, it's about those highlights. So he's made that point. I think it's a very important point because we, we are going to have to raise these kind of detailed issues. As I ask you to comment, um, having listened to everybody else, we also are aware that today's session is kind of forward looking. Um, and then I think a lot of the questions we're asking whether, uh, how you're going to do this and, and so on. Uh, Honourable Minister. Yeah, thank you very much, Chairperson, uh, and uh, to members of the committee for the questions and the comments and uh, also the responses that you have received. Uh, maybe to start with is the is that on the infrastructure one, um, uh, uh, Chairperson, we have had the meetings with the public works uh, at the, even at the level of the ministry. And we were supposed to have another one um, somewhere last week. Unfortunately, it will not happen. But uh, we are hoping that uh, within the next two weeks, we will have um, a feedback meeting where some of the issues that both the um, the acting national commissioner and the DG spoke about will be firmed up more concretely in terms of the devolution of some of these um, responsibilities and the powers 
from public works and to look into what is it that um, also the Department of Justice may need to do in terms of um, capacitating itself, informed by its own budget, in terms of the engineers and the professionals that the department needs to be able to respond to some of those uh, issues. And I must state that uh, for now, the issue where um, um, the departments are struggling to find each other is the fact that um, with the devolution of the, of, the, of the powers must also come with the budget. So, so that is the tipping point where we are hopeful that in the next meeting we'll be able to, to find a solution. For us, it should be clear that the devolution must be followed by a budget because uh, if it is not followed by a budget, it may not um, achieve uh, its intended objective. And uh, secondly, the, you will also know that um, with some of those powers, uh, the Department of Public Works also has some of the human resources within themselves. Um, in terms of the capability. So those are some of the issues that um, are still holding those engagements. Hopefully, as we meet again, we'll be able to iron out and also see how do we deal with the issue of capacitation to be able to implement some of these uh, initiatives. The point on the master's um, uh, services I think um, uh, chair is that um, obviously with the hacking system, it also affected some of the uh, uh, performance and services. But um, it is true that um, the, the queues and the long delays are not um, really acceptable for, for, for the public. Hence, um, there is a work to enable them in terms of the online platforms to fast track and also the programs that will enable them to deal with the cutting of the of the queues in terms of the delivery. And I think as the department comes, you will be able to get the, the direct the responses from the chief master in that regard. Uh, the issues of the what exactly are we doing with regards to the the ID um, um, uh, whether it was a foundation and what are the future plans. Indeed, the uh, percent it's not like uh, it has been slumberland for this period. There are cases that uh, the ID has already taken to court, which are in the court's role as we speak. It's not like there was nothing that has happened. There, there are cases that uh, these uh, committees are aware of. The 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 asbestos, the uh, stena, there are cases that are in the court's role. The issue is to ensure that the, the, the number of cases that um, are emanating or which have come out also from the Zondo Commission are also being attended. And uh, that is the support that the, the ID uh, is being given to be able to, to, to respond to that, but also the challenges that they, 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 they face must be responded to in terms of the, the permanency of the ID, which we, we are in agreement that um, it should evolve into a permanent uh, kind of a structure that will evolve into what we are looking into at the current stage as to what will be the end product of a 
of a, a corruption, anti-corruption institution, also taking into consideration the recommendations of the Zondo commissions and other inputs from other stakeholders. What institution must be um, the permanent and long sustainable institution that will evolve out of the of the of the of the ID and the 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 the, the one of the admission of guilty. I think uh, the DM has responded to the whistleblower. He has also responded into legislative arrangements, restorative programs. They continue. We still continue with the restorative uh, programs. Uh, we held some. Uh, in the last quarter of last year. Uh, but uh, as the members are aware, because of the COVID-19, we, we were not able to do them in a manner that we would have wanted, but uh, we are now uh, resuscitating to be able to do some of them in the uh, in their original kind of a, of a, of a, of a format. And um, I think on the issues that relate to the victims, uh, the DM has uh, responded to the budget cuts uh, to legal aid South Africa. Indeed, there has been massive budget cuts to, to legal aid South Africa, which uh, affect their day-to-day -day operations. Um, and I, we, we, we also share the concerns raised by the, by the committee as we bring back the land, as we bring the land rights uh, management facility to legal aid that it must follow, it must be followed by a budget. And um, that discussion is, um, we have already had a discussion with the National Treasury, which uh, they've committed to ensure that that becomes the, the case, that they, this must be followed by a budget. There is a clear commitment uh, from National Treasury, which we have um, um, raised and um, they are attending to look into, into the matter. The, um, the SIU hit, uh, I think the DM has responded. The um, IJS, uh, um, we have uh, introduced, uh, the department has introduced the new governance framework, which is a three-tier structure, uh, which uh, is the IJS implementation committee, the IJS board, which is chaired by the DG, I've been informed that the board has uh, had its first sitting, which will monitor all the implementation in terms of the IJS projects and also the IJS ministerial committee, which uh, I, am, I intended to convene very soon for all the ministers that are impacted by the IJS program. The new governance framework will bring stability and accountability in the programs, will also make all accounting officers to be also involved in the investment made in their departments. It will also enable the achievement to accrue to the member department that are accruing to the member departments to be reported through the IJS program because at this stage some of them are not really uh, reported at that level. Some of those achievements include amongst things like the rollout of the ELAA for Legal Aid South Africa and the Code Online, which are which is um, uh, also part and parcel of the broader integrated uh, system and the rollout of the personal verification services uh, by the South African police uh, services in the police stations and the use of PIVA by SASA to verify beneficiaries and uh, to combat uh, 
fraud. So you could see you will see that there is already work that has been done. It's just that it sits in various departments and not properly reported as the as the fruits of the outcomes of the of the of the IJS program. And um, it does not mean that there are no challenges. They, we still have uh, challenges. Um, uh, including the automatic biometric information system project that uh, um, uh, is residing with Home Affairs, uh, which we hope that uh, as it moves and uh, as it um, becomes implemented, it will make the life of the entire system easy. We, 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 we as I've said, that um, uh, we will have to ensure that the, the governance committee of both the DGs and also the minister seeks to, to ensure that there is implementation and monitors and evaluate the, the processes. When we have all of those, it will make it easy because the DGs of the line function departments will ensure that there's accountability among their own uh, uh, information officers, the CIOs, and um, also ensure that um, the, 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 what is said to be done is indeed being implemented in those um, in those uh, departments. The, on the one of the ID, I think I've already uh, uh, spoken, Chairperson, uh, thank you. I hope uh, all the questions uh, have been covered. Thank you, Honorable Minister, um, for your responses and uh, for laying the ground today about what to look forward to. And as Honorable Breitenbach and Honorable Hall would have indicated, we will be engaging uh, with you and your departments and all the institutions uh, on, the, on the issues that you have covered in your uh, overview. Uh, so thank you for that. Honorable members, uh, in thanking the minister for, for the time he has spent with us, we are scheduled to, we are scheduled to meet uh, the Office of the Chief Justice at 11. I think we could immediately go to that. Uh, can take five minutes break so that they can can get ready. They've been in the meeting with us, so we can come back at uh, uh, ten forty two. Just take that five minutes break, and then we we ask uh, the SG of the Office of the Chief Justice to to present. Thank you, Honourable uh, Ozi, and your team. Uh Thank you, uh, Acting Chairperson. 